Welcome to Round Hill Radio, the podcast from Round Hill Community Church. Through our conversations, we discover the holy in the ordinary, find moments of grace and peace, and redefine what we talk about when we talk about faith. On today's episode, we welcome Valerie Tutson, our February second Sunday guest. You can always join us for second Sunday programs on the second Sunday of every month at 4 p.m. A storyteller who delights listeners, Valerie Tutson draws her stories from around the world with an emphasis on African traditions. Her repertoire includes stories and songs she learned in her travels to South Africa, her experiences in West Africa, and stories from African American history. We welcome Valerie Tutson. Valerie Tutson, Valerie, welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. This is really great. And uh, we have enjoyed a full afternoon of storytelling. And it never ceases to amaze me, despite all of our technological gadgetry that we have not lost, thanks to people like yourselves, uh, like yourself, the power of storytelling. So what do you think about that? You know, it would seem like we might lose some ground that way, but what do you think? I think actually more than ever, we're desperate for it. Mm. And I've been doing this for a really long time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when even like as technology was starting to mm-hmm. boom, and I can remember thinking, oh, I should really do some technical things with my storytelling. Mm-hmm. And I'm not very technologically inclined, so I never really got around Maybe to it. Maybe that was a gift. I actually think it was because I think now more than ever, as we're dealing with, you know, like a whole generation that's grown up digitally with digital imagery and all that stuff, that we need to have time and space where images are not constantly being provided for us. Mm. We're hungry for a place where we can settle in and just listen to the voice and let our own imaginations take us someplace. Right. I think we must be hardwired for it because, Mm. like you said, it especially now with all this technology in the hand, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To watch people just fall into the world of story is, is pretty magical. When uh, my children were little, they used to say, tell, me a, tell us a story by mouth, yeah. right? As opposed to whatever other way we could do it. And uh, that was sometimes a fascinating thing to do on the road or yes. whatever, but you just sort of spin it out. And I think you do this so well, and I guess the other question I wanted to ask you, so you said you have been doing this for a long time. Um, is there ever a sense that you, the magic, you have to work a little harder at it? I mean, as a storyteller, what's, what's the, what are the challenges of telling stories? Do you feel that you can always get on this kind of magic carpet and off it goes, or mm-hmm. how does that work? That is a very good question, and if I struggle with getting off on that magic carpet, it usually means that I'm tired. Okay. And if I remember to get myself out of the way mm-hmm. and just enter into the world of the story, then I can put all of that aside. I do remember when I first started telling stories that there was an older woman. Her name was Mary Carter Smith. And she was one of the co-founders of the National Association of Black Storytellers. Mm. And she said that it was hard for her 
to find stories to tell after a certain point. Interesting. And that, I would say, is also one of the challenges for me. Uh, When I'm traveling a lot, you know, moving around, it it becomes more challenging to find something because you can't tell a story that you don't love. Mm. Mm -hmm. So that can kind of take some time. Right. Are you always on the lookout for new stories? Mm -hmm. And is that part of what you're doing as well? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And then, like I said, the challenge is I find a story that I like, but it's like you plant a seed and you got to nurture it and 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 let it grow and see how the how the listeners and notice I say the listeners I started to say audience but it's it's really the listeners yeah. so how are people hearing it and and that's kind of what shapes my understanding of story so that takes that takes time. One of the things I love uh, when you teach uh, a song and then ask a lot the question alongside it so how can this song change the world? Yeah. I'm sure our, there's a part of us almost instinctively that reacts that really can't. You know, mm-hmm. how can that happen? But I guess I do want to ask this sort of obvious sounding question that how does storytelling change the world? How does it shape the, shape the future? I think storytelling versus uh, story reading mm-hmm. or any other thing um, helps us change the world because by its nature— it, there's nothing as a barrier between us, right. right? When you're reading a book, the book is the technology or it is the barrier. But when you're actually sharing stories with one another, you remove that, mm. right? So mm-hmm. there's this space between the teller and the listener and the story. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that, I often think about that as, you know, maybe where where God mm. is, right? The big ah. Mm-hmm. That binds us all. And everybody might experience the story a little bit differently, but the experience is shared. Mm. And to me, we need more shared experiences. We have a lot of uh, witness to experience, right? Right. Mm-hmm. But in storytelling, even if the listeners aren't directly responding, mm-hmm. as a storyteller, you're paying attention. Are they with me? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, when uh, I love the use of the word listener, because that pulls us, we're participants in what you're doing. Yes. And I certainly feel that you have this absolutely marvelous way of retelling the story of Jesus' baptism. Mm, Thank you. And suddenly we get to see that event through the eyes of a seven-year-old girl and totally with you in every step of the way. Um, can you say a little bit more about the background of, of how you came at that particular yeah. story? And Sure. Um, so I had these two parallel lives kind of happening, right? Mm-hmm. So I was doing storytelling, and then I was also working at Silver Lake Conference Center in Sharon, Connecticut, which is the outdoor ministry program for the United Church of Christ mm-hmm. in Connecticut. It's in Sharon. Um, and with the middle schoolers, I was always taking Bible stories, and we would write original musicals. Excuse me, in five days, because, you know, middle schoolers don't know anything's impossible. Bless their little <laughs> Bless <hearts>. them, exactly. <laughs> and it just allowed me to play with the Bible stories. Mm. So then, I'm not even sure how many years ago, women who were planning a women's celebration asked me if, they said, oh, you're a storyteller, and you tell stories, and you do this 
Bible stuff over here. Do you think you could tell some Bible stories? Mm -hmm. And could you do it? You know, could you play with the characters? And I was like, oh, that's fun. Mm. Marjorie Zoet Bankson was the woman that I worked with at that time. She had developed this, what she called, relational Bible study of stepping into the biblical character. Okay. So we kind of divvied up characters. And that was my first um, entree into telling the stories in that way. I see. So when somebody asked me to do for a child's baptism to tell the story of Jesus' baptism, I wanted to know who who might have been there. Right. And that's the way that I often look at the Bible stories. We we know the story, but there are a lot of questions. Sure. Right. Who's there? Who might have seen this and mm -hmm. how might they tell the story of what happened mm -hmm. um and then of course because this was for a seven or eight year old kid i thought huh what would a child say about it and it just uh, and by entering into that imagination yes uh -huh. it opened up the story for me in a whole new way wow well it certainly helped helped us to experience that story in a whole new way right yeah. because there's a lot of uh space in between those words in the biblical story. And so what's happening in that space? That's what you're bringing forward. So a question about biblical stories mm -hmm. then, as you, as you read the text to get a sense of what the baptismal story is, let's say, do you have any observations about um, biblical stories? I mean, as you read them, whether they're parables, are there uh, things that make it difficult to enter into the story? Are there... What do you think about how that storytelling takes place biblically? I know there's so many different kinds of kinds of stories, sure. right? But uh, are some easier to enter into than others? Um, sure, absolutely. I mean, anything with more narrative is easier to enter, right? right. If we get a sense of place and we get a sense of a character. Um, when we're looking at the Gospels, of course, it's helpful to work with the synoptic Gospels because then we get the three versions right. of a story, which is also very useful mm -hmm. because in my storyteller's mind, even when I look at you know folk traditions, um, one, one version is not the be-all, end-all, uh -huh. right? That's what we know. Right. And I think one of the challenges that we often have when we're looking at biblical text and biblical stories is two things. One, depending on your tradition— you think that this word is it, period, end of story. Right. And even when there are contradictions in. Right. And some, you know, God bless the people who memorize text and do all that. I don't have that um, skill. <laughs> uh, that makes at least two of us. Yeah, then. there you go. There you go. Um, but the other thing I think sometimes we forget is that. Um, when we're presented with biblical text and we want to make it story, you have to go before and you have to go after, right? So this, the scripture shows up for us for a particular Sunday. Yes. And you have to kind of go, wait a minute, where's this coming from? Yeah, what's the context? What, what's the context? Uh -huh. Exactly. Yeah. So that can be challenging. Um, and I'm not a biblical scholar. So my approach to telling the stories is to start with what I know, what I remember of the story mm, mm -hmm. because these were oral stories for a very long time before right. they were ever written down and mm -hmm. I think that that's also something that we need to remember that there's a reason that people remembered them right yeah. all those 
even before they got written down. Something was remarkable about the story before somebody literally recorded it. Right. Somebody said, this is important and we better write it down because, as they say in Senegal, when an old person dies, a library's buried. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's wow. capture it in some way. But the challenge then is to lift it off the page right. and right. have it live on the breath. Yeah. And be relevant today so that we feel what the people felt at that time. So when you're telling these stories from the African traditions, mm-hmm. do you ever have the feeling uh, that, uh, you know, you are transmitting not just the story but the spirit that carried the story? <laughs> and how does, that, uh, how does that feel? What is that like? I often feel that way. Um, I had a horsetail with me which I didn't actually bring out, but it's the uh, symbol of the National Association of Black Storytellers, and it goes with a story called The Cowtail Switch, which was recorded um, in a book called The Cowtail Switch and, and other West African tales. But the message of the story is no one is dead unless he or she is forgotten. Mm-hmm. And so oh. I have learned to trust that if somebody who lived before is Mm. saying, tell my story, tell my story, tell my story, (laughs) that I'm supposed to be telling that person. Yes. Attention must be paid. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Because they want to be known. Mm. I mean, we all want to be known and we don't really, we don't, if we believe in the resurrection even, Mm -hmm. right, then we don't go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. We just, the tomb is empty. And right. the life is on the other side, but it's it's just another phase. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what um, kind of looking at African traditions and looking at some of the traditions that come uh, from Peru that I've studied, you know, that, that the veil uh. between what we consider life and death is, is very thin. That the, the, the um, what do we call them, the... Hosts, the angels, the cloud of witnesses. Yes. They're uh-huh. present. Close they're by. present. That's right. Rooting for us. You got it. <laughs> so listening to these stories, we certainly get a sense that the ancestors are very close by and, and all of that wisdom. And so we're so grateful mm-hmm. that you have brought that into our midst. And uh, Valerie, is there a thought that you would share with us as we conclude this program, something that can continue to help us think about the power of storytelling in our own lives? Oh. The thought that I have comes from Brother Blue. Hmm. And Brother Blue was a storyteller who lived in Massachusetts, and he's talking to me now. Mm -hmm. So he was um, ordained, and he had a Ph.D., and he decided to go barefoot and dress in blue and tell stories on the streets of Boston. And he did prison ministry, and he would say that stories help us to see one another. They they make that bridge between our hearts, and he would say, I see you, peekaboo. So I would say, may we all see one another. Wow. Valerie, thank you so much. It's been a gift to have you on this show. Thank you, Ed. Blessings. Pleasure.
Thanks for listening. Round Hill Radio is brought to you by the members and friends of Round Hill Community Church. You can find more episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and roundhillcommunitychurch.org.